Welcome to Epic, everybody. Glad you're here today. Thanks for coming. How's everybody doing today? Everybody ready for summer? Oh, it's here. So I got up this morning and thought, do I put my flip-flops on? I'm thinking maybe we should go to the beach after church today. So glad that you've chosen to join us today. Um, As you saw in that video, we have an event coming on January 27th called GroupLink. And GroupLink is a, a great opportunity for you to get connected into one of our small group environments. So if you've gone through our starting point group or our next step group, then we encourage you to come to GroupLink and get connected there in one of our small groups. And uh, we've got couples groups. We have women's groups. We'll also be expanding our women's groups. And guys, we're going to be starting some men's groups uh, off of this group link that's going to be happening. So if, you're, if you've been coming for any length of time and you're interested in checking out kind of what's beyond Sunday morning, then I encourage you to get connected in uh, coming to our group link. If you have not tried Starting Point, if you've not tried Next Step, I encourage you to check out those group environments. They're great uh, ways to get started on your journey in the context of community here at Epic and a great way for you to meet other people, a great way for you to learn more about the Bible, the overall story of the Bible that happens in Starting Point. And then in Next Step, it's a great way for you to learn about the tools that you need as you walk on a journey with God. So I encourage you to, to sign up for Starting Point. If you've not done that, you can do so on our website at theepicchurch.com. You can also sign up for Next Step. And we'll have an information meeting for Starting Point and Next Step on January the 27th at the end of both of our services. So group link on the night of January 27th and then Sunday morning uh, starting point and next step intro meetings if you're interested in getting connected in one of our small group environments. Now, if you are new with us, we typically start the, the f- new year the same way. We typically set aside January and say, God, we're, we're giving you January And we're going to focus heavily on our relationship with you, trusting that you're going to take care of the rest of the year. And it's actually, it comes from a biblical principle called first fruits. So in the Bible, it teaches that God wants us to set aside our first fruits. For us, that means our time, our talents, our energy, our resources, our relationships. God says, when you set aside the first portion of what you get, and you give that back to me, I'm going to take care of the rest of everything else in your life. So as a church, over the past few years, that's what we've been doing, saying, God, we're giving you January. We're focusing heavily in our relationship with you, what it means for us to grow in that relationship, trusting that you're going to take care of the rest of the year for us. Now, one of the ways that we have over the past few years walked through our January series is through a thing called fasting. And if you're not familiar with biblical fasting, uh, you should have received a a little flyer on your seat somewhere around uh, your chair. Should be a little piece of paper like this. There's actually several uh, announcements that we have for you in flyer form today. But if you would grab that real quick. Biblical fasting means to abstain from food for spiritual reasons. So it's this idea that we come to God and say, God, You are more important to us than food. 
Like we realize that life itself comes from you. And so we're willing to set aside something that sustains us physically in order to get who sustains us spiritually. So it's, it's a really a big deal. It's an ancient spiritual discipline. It's been practiced for thousands of years. And we as a church are starting today a 21-day fast that we're going to be doing together. And uh, many of you here are going to be uh, participating with us in that. So today is day number one. And for those of you who know how much I enjoy Reese cups, I have said goodbye to them. I tucked them in the cupboard last night. I put a little blanket over them. I kissed a few of them. Good bed. Good good night. Put them to bed. And I said, in 21 days, I'll be back to visit you. So get ready. So again, it's this idea that we're going to set something substantial aside. Um, So as people process through this whole deal of fasting, you know, some say, you know what, for me to, to give up dessert is a really big deal. And other people say, you know what, to give up, you know, something like meat is a a really big deal. And so whatever it is in your uh, journey, in in your relationship with God, whatever that food item is that may be a really big deal to you, would you over the next 21 days say, God, you're a bigger deal to me. And I'm willing to set this aside in order to watch you do what only you can do. So I encourage you, if you're not familiar with fasting, maybe it's a new thing for you, go to our website and check out the fasting preparation guide that we have there. Get a little bit more familiar with what fasting is all about. And I just invite you to dive in, join us on this journey and watch what God can do over a 21-day time period. And if you would like us to be praying for you, Our elder team typically prays for our church on a regular basis, and we love to pray for those who say, listen, here's a specific request. So if you have a specific prayer request that you would like us to pray for, there are several ways you can get us that information. One, you can go back by our giving boxes, which are at the back of each of the tables in the seating sections here, and there's a little prayer card. You can fill that prayer card out. If you want to put your name on it, great. If not, that's fine too. Slip it in one of our giving boxes, and then we'll get that information later this week. If you want the world to know and you want the world praying with you, you can go on our Facebook page and you can post it there uh, on our wall. It, that was, it was supposed to be a joke and you're supposed to laugh because like, maybe you don't want the world praying with you about your item. But if you want a lot of people to know about it, go to our Facebook page and post it there. If you would like to email us, you can email us at info at theepicchurch.com and we'll get that as well and our elder team will be praying for you. Now today, along with this uh, fasting that we're going to be doing, we're starting a series called Not a Fan. And there's one main question that we are going to revisit over and over and over again throughout this series, and it's this. Am I a fan of Jesus or am I a follower of Jesus? And you might read that and kind of quickly decide for yourself what you are, or you may read that and go, you know what, aren't they both great? I mean, shouldn't we be fans of Jesus and shouldn't we be followers of Jesus? But the reality is that Jesus didn't leave the splendor of heaven to come to earth to build a fan club. Jesus didn't die a horrendous death to gain a few more admirers. He came to earth to gain followers, People who would say, you know what, I am willing to follow you. I'm willing to walk the steps that you walked. I'm willing to go to the places that you went. I'm willing to love the people that you loved. I'm willing to do what I see you, Jesus, doing. 
Jesus wasn't interested in fans. He's interested in followers. And I need to warn you that this series is going to challenge all of us. It's going to stretch all of us out of our comfort zones. And often what happens for me is I'm preparing for a series. I typically prepare months in advance for, for at least the series that we're going to be doing. And I'm thinking about that series and praying about that series and, and reading through scripture related to that series. And um, I've been doing that with this series and God has been working me over in a number of areas when it comes to my relationship with him. A number of areas where God has said, listen, I think you're a fan of mine in that area. I don't think you're willing to follow me. You haven't, at least at this point, you, like you're afraid to follow me there and I want you to follow me, not just cheer me on as I do what only I can do, but I'm inviting you to follow me. So I have been personally challenged so far um, just in preparation and uh, I think God's got some really cool things in store for us in this series. So if you are ready, I encourage you to grab a Bible and turn to John chapter 6. If you need a Bible, as we say each week, there are Bibles at the back of each seating section, so feel free. Now's a great time to go grab a Bible if you want one of those. And if you don't have a Bible at home, feel free to take one of these as our free gift to you. On our paperback Bibles, it's found on page 814. John chapter 6. Now, what we're going to watch Jesus do is we're going to watch Jesus violate some leadership principles. We're going to watch him do something that every marketing strategist would not advise. Jesus is just about to discourage thousands of people from following him. So I want you to kind of put yourself in that spot. Maybe, maybe you've started a new business or you're in this new thing and you want a lot of people involved in it. Maybe you got your own you know, fan page on Facebook and you want a lot of people to, to like your fan page. There's this kind of movement with Jesus and we're going to watch him tell thousands of people that you really need to consider whether you're going to follow me or not. He's going to discourage thousands of people from coming after him. So let me set the scene for you. Jesus at that time was walking through the countryside. He's healing people of all their diseases. And as you can probably imagine, that word gets out and people are very interested in that. It'd be similar to if Jesus were in Flagler County today, walking through the county, just healing people of anything, any physical problem that they have. Would anybody be interested in being healed of something? Do you know anybody that would be interested in being healed of something? Okay, so we would know a lot of people and we would start telling people, hey, have you heard about Jesus? Like he's walking through the county and he's healing people. And a lot of people, I would guess most of the county, if not all of the county would wanna go see Jesus perform the miraculous and heal people. So that's kind of what's happening. John chapter six, starting in verse two says a huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. So they're following because they're watching what he's doing. Then Jesus climbed a hill and he sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. 
That's one thing that God does often for all of us is he tests us. You may be in a test right now. Some weird things kind of going on in your world and you're wondering like, what's up with this? And God is probably testing you. There's a test going on. He's wanting to see, what are you gonna do? How are you gonna handle this situation? And this specific test is not just for Philip. This test is gonna be for the thousands of people that are there gathered around them in this moment. So Philip gives this very logical reply to this kind of strange question that Jesus asks. He says, Jesus, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Kind of sounds like one of the replies that I give God when I feel like he's asking me to do something a little out of the ordinary. Like, come on, God, like what you're asking is impossible. I'm not sure that it can ever really happen. Or God, you know, like maybe that scenario, I know you're asking me to do this really difficult thing, but I'm not sure even if I live the way that you want me to, that this thing that I need to happen in my world, I'm not sure even that is gonna be possible. God hears our logical explanations all the time to things that he asks of us. He hears us say, you know, God, I'm just not so sure that I could ever get that in love feeling again for my spouse. I'm not so sure. Even if I did everything that you asked me to, I'm not so sure that I could do that. Or we say things to God like, you know, even if I forgave that person, that person that hurt me deeply at that critical time in my life, even if I forgave them, I'll never be able to move forward in that specific area. Or we say, you know, God, when it comes to money, like I, I, I can't make uh, the bills. I can't pay the bills. I can't make ends meet. I'm not exactly sure how to do this. And here you are asking me to trust you with my finances. Like, how's that possible? I mean, even if I tried that, I'm not sure that I'd have enough money to pay my bills. Like, I'm not so sure that I can do what you're asking. Or, you know, God, I know that maybe I shouldn't be dating this person. But, you know, the thought of being alone is worse than, worse than the thought of being with this person. So like, I know I shouldn't be doing this, but like, I think this path will probably work out better than maybe what you're asking of me. God hears stuff like that from us all the time, like rational excuses. Then in verse nine, Andrew, another follower of Jesus, he jumps in with this idea and it's a little a strange idea. He says, hey, there's a, a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. And I'm sure the other disciples are looking at him going, have you looked around? There are like thousands of people and and you you stole some kid's lunch. How's that going to help? And so, you know, Andrew has this moment of, hey, great idea. And then he kind of shrinks back and says, but like, what good is that? In a crowd this big, like there's so many people, it's just probably a really dumb idea. And apparently Andrew wasn't that good with numbers because verse 10 tells us there was uh, 5,000 men there, didn't include the women and children. So there easily could have been 10 to 15,000 people there in this moment. And Andrew offers Jesus just a little bit of faith. And sometimes in your situation, my situation, that's what Jesus is asking for. So it's what Jesus is looking for, just a little bit of faith. You come to him and say, that's all I've got right now. And Jesus goes, cool, watch what I can do. Verse 10, tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish. 
and they all ate as much as they wanted. Now, everyone was full, or after everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. So Jesus takes this little boy's lunch and he multiplies it, he blesses it, and he feeds thousands of people and he has leftovers. So this amazing miracle happens in this moment and everybody's in, in shock. I mean, they're in awe watching Jesus, like bless this food, you know, raise it to God, bless it and hand it out and he keeps handing it out and he keeps handing it out. I mean, thousands of people are fed from one little boy's lunch. Verse 14, When the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, surely he is the prophet that we've been expecting. Then watch what happens in verse 15. When Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, they're ready, like to make him. I mean, there's no option here, Jesus. We're ready to make you be our king. He slipped away into the hills by himself. Now let's jump over to verse 26 for a moment. So the people are ready to make Jesus be their king. He disappears. They're not sure where he's at. So they're looking for him everywhere. I mean, where is Jesus? We're ready for him to be our king. Can't find him until the next day. The next day they find him, they approach him. Again, they're still ready for him to be their king. And Jesus confronts them about that. He confronts them about their motives for why they want that. Verse 26, Jesus said, You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. Now, this is one of those come to Jesus meetings where it's really kind of cool because it really is Jesus that they're coming to. They're talking to Jesus and Jesus goes, listen, time out. I know your motives aren't pure. I know what you're after. You, You want to be with me because of the cool stuff I've done for you, but I've got something way more significant for you that I'm about to tell you about. Verse 27, Jesus says, don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. Now, Jesus has just said some major things there in those couple of sentences. He, major statement saying that, that he can give eternal life and that the, God the Father has given him his seal of approval. But these Israelites in this moment, they don't get it. They don't hear what he said. It just kind of goes over their heads because they say in verse 28, well, we want to perform God's works too. Like, we've seen what you can do. We've seen these miracles, and it's awesome. We want some of that power. So what do we need to do in order to get that? And Jesus told him in verse 29, this is the only work God wants from you. This is the only work that God wants. Believe in the one he has sent. And they answered, all right, Jesus, you want us to believe in you? Then we'll make a deal with you. You perform another miraculous sign and we'll believe in you. So like, what can you do? Now, so far they've watched Jesus heal many people of their sicknesses. Uh, They either were there or they heard about Jesus turning water into wine at at a wedding feast. It was his first miracle, amazing thing that happened. So either they were there drinking the wine or they heard about it. And they just watched Jesus feed 
thousands of people with a little boy's lunch. And what they're saying to Jesus is not good enough. Not good enough. The miracles that you've just performed were not good enough. You know, that was so like 24 hours ago. I mean, I can't even think back that far. And sometimes we do the same thing with God. Sometimes we say, God, you know what? That was so like 24 minutes ago. Like I need a new miracle. I mean, do you know what I'm facing right now? I mean, I need something right now. If you want me to believe in you, if you really want me to follow you, like I need you to like, you know, show yourself a little bit, you know, show your power, show how uh, amazing you are. Demonstrate some of that for us. They continued in verse 31. After all, Jesus, they're making their case. After all, Jesus, our ancestors ate manna while they were journeying through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Just pause for a moment and tell you about manna if you're not familiar with that. The Israelites one time were on a journey and they ran out of food and they cried out to God for help, said, God, please help us here. We're in a bad spot. And God provided them this thing that they called manna. They described it as bread from heaven. So in the morning, they would come out and there would be this white flaky substance all over the ground. It's kind of like dew or when we get a cold moment, a frost that's on the ground. So it looked like frost on the ground. And they would go out and they would gather this stuff up. The Bible says that it, was, uh, it tasted like uh, wafers made with honey. And so they would gather this stuff up and then they would, they would make it for their food. So that would be their food that God would provide for them on a regular basis. So bread from heaven. Every morning they'd wake up and there's this bread from heaven that they go out and get. God said, listen, I'm gonna provide you enough for the day. So there's no need for you to collect and store stuff up. Actually, don't do that because it'll go bad. Just get what you need for the day. And then the next day, I'm gonna provide you more. So that's what this bread from heaven, this manna is all about. And in verse 32, Jesus said back to them, well, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. It didn't come from him. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. So like, remember that thing? Something even greater is coming. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. And Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me, even though you've seen me. Like even though you've seen all these incredible miracles I've performed, you haven't believed in me. However, those the Father has given me will come to me and I will never reject them. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me not to do my own will. A powerful sentence. Powerful sentence. Jesus says, listen, I didn't come to do my will. I came to do what God the Father has asked of me. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of all of those he has given me, but that I should raise them up at the last day. For it is my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life. I will raise them up. At the last day. Then the people began to murmur in disagreement because he had said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. They said, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph? We know his father and mother. How can he say, I came down from heaven? So they didn't get it. They had no clue what Jesus was talking about. Kind of like this commercial. Watch this. So the disciples would have felt like talking to Jesus was a little bit like that. 
Like, uh, like, what are you saying? Like, I don't really get what you're saying. I don't get the context there. So, so they're interested in Jesus meeting their immediate physical needs and giving them some power so they can kind of do that cool kind of stuff that he's doing. But Jesus is interested in something far greater. He's looking at their future spiritual needs. So Jesus continued in verse 43, stop complaining about what I said. For no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me, and at the last day I will raise them up. As it is written in the scriptures, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. Not that anyone has ever seen the Father, only I who was sent from God have seen him. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes has eternal life. Yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they all died. Anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread, which I will offer so the world may live, is my flesh. And then the people look at each other like, what is he talking about? And they say back to him, they say to each other the same stuff that we would say. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? What is he talking about? This makes no sense. And they look to his disciples, the closest disciples, the 12. They're looking to them for some guidance. Help us out here, guys. Like, what's going on? We don't get it. And the, the close disciples, the 12 disciples go, like, like, he does this a lot. I'm sorry. Like, we don't get it either. We're not sure what he's talking about. Like, we're in the boat with you guys. We're trying to figure this thing out. So Jesus picks up again in verse 53, and he's going to take this conversation to a deeper level. He says, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise that person at the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. I live because of the living Father who sent me. In the same way, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. I am, again, here he goes saying it again, I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate the manna, but will live forever. So Jesus is calling himself the true bread from heaven, saying, listen, you remember your ancestors ate manna. Like they ate that for survival. Well, I am the true bread that God is sending from heaven. So if you eat of me, you're going to live forever in a spiritual context. Verse 60, many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? And then in verse 66, it says, at this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. They stopped following and Jesus like, knew that's what they would do. He didn't have to say that. He didn't have to go down that path to have those very difficult conversations, to choose those difficult words for those people. I mean, he, he could have chose a different path. And like, wow, he's got thousands of people that want him to be their king. Wow, this is some momentum in the right direction. Hey, this is great. Come on, let's go. Let's, let's uh, storm the castle. But many of the people following Jesus at that point 
were more interested in what he could do for them than anything else. They wanted the Jesus genie in a bottle to be their king. You know, those moments where they get, you know, hungry, like, wow, nothing in the kitchen. Hey, Jesus, would you whip me up some, you know, heavenly fast food? You know, like no trans fats, you know, no calories, something that won't make me gain weight. That'd be awesome. Or Jesus, when, you know, we get sick, we'd love if you'd open up one of those Jesus clinics where we could just rush in and, you know, have all of our physical needs taken care of and everybody comes out with, you know, their favorite lollipop, you know, that'd be fantastic. So they're wanting that kind of Jesus to be their king. The Jesus in a bottle, the genie in a bottle. They're big fans of Jesus. You know, they, they all had the Jesus t-shirts. You know, everybody was getting a new Jesus tattoo. You know, the Jesus bobbleheads were hotcakes. And Jesus knew that about them. He knew that's what was in their hearts. He knew that's why that they were interested in following him. He knew that they loved to cheer him on because of the amazing things that, that he had shown them. But Jesus didn't come to build a fan club. He didn't die a horrendous death so that we could cheer him on. Go, Jesus. He said, I came to die so you can live, so you could in turn follow me. And I'll show you how to live your life in such a way that you can die for someone else so they can live. So I've come so that you will come with me into a world that desperately needs to be served. And I'll show you how to serve. The only way that you're going to learn that is by following me, like being really close to me, not being a fan sitting up in the bleachers cheering me on, go Jesus, go, but by actually walking where I'm going to walk, doing some of the things that I'm about to do. And at that moment, there are a lot of folks that they took off their Jesus t-shirts. They're trying to get a refund on their Jesus tattoo. She said, I'm not looking for more fans. I just want to pause for a moment and answer a question that just might be lingering out there. That, you know, do we really have to eat Jesus' flesh and drink his you know, blood to gain eternal life? The answer is no, we don't. If you look back at verse 47, it says, anyone who believes has eternal life. Anyone who believes. Eternal life comes from believing that Jesus is the manna from heaven. He's the true bread. That's where it comes from where we say, Jesus, we believe you are God in the flesh. You came here so we can live. Everything comes from you. There's no other source for life. It comes from you. We believe that. That's how we gain eternal life. The manna that that God gave the Israelites was just a symbol. It was just pointing to Jesus. As you read through the Bible, uh, the more you read, the more you learn that everything in the Bible points to Jesus. It all points to Jesus. And so the manna was just pointing to the true bread that was one day going to come. And Jesus goes, listen, I'm here. I'm here now. I'm here now to, to be with you. So when you take communion, it's not about gaining eternal life. It's about being reminded who gives eternal life. That's what communion is about. The reason I think that Jesus took these disciples down this very confusing path was to ask a deeper question. I think Jesus was asking, are you going to be fans of mine? Or are you going to be followers of mine? Are you going to cheer me on? Or are you going to walk with me? Jesus wanted to find out who was serious 
about following him. This is kind of that moment where you shake the, the fence, where you shake the tree just to see like, like who's really in? Who's really in this thing? Who's really gonna be a part of it? And then in verse 67, Jesus turned to the 12. These are his closest disciples, the ones that he had hand chosen to, to be his closest followers. And he asked them, are you also going to leave? So get the, the setting here. You know, they're all sitting around confused as can be. They're wondering, Jesus, you just told thousands of people to stop following you. And now you're asking us whether we're going to leave. And Peter says, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe. We believe. And we know that you are the Holy One of God. That's what Jesus is looking for. He's looking for people who are honest. And if you're honest in your relationship with God, maybe you'd say, you know what? I don't always understand what Jesus does. And I don't always understand uh, what Jesus says. It doesn't always make sense. But I do know that Jesus is the true bread from heaven. I know that he has the words of eternal life. That's what Jesus is looking for from us. People who are willing to follow him. Now I have to admit that in my own life, for much of my life, I've been a big fan of Jesus. And we're gonna talk more about that as this series unfolds. But I'm a big fan of Jesus when it comes to getting benefits of following him. You know, I think heaven's gonna be an amazing place. Bible says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has entered the mind of man what God has prepared for those who love him. I think heaven is gonna be an amazing place to be. I can't wait to get there one day. It's gonna be fantastic. I love it when uh, Jesus wants to bless my life with some really cool things. You know, the, the moments that I'm sick, if Jesus wants to heal me, I think that's really cool. I'm a big fan of that. God wants to bless me with like, you know, winning the lotto one day. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, I love that kind of blessing. I love when God does really cool things in my world like that, but I'm not always interested in following him. I'm not always that excited to go where, where Jesus walked. As you read the Bible, do you know where Jesus walked? Do you know what Jesus came to earth to do? Was serve. You know, his purpose in life was to die so that others can live. You know, Jesus' final moments on this earth before going back to heaven were not like a Hallmark movie moments. It was a horrendous death that he died. And just being honest, there are moments that I stand at this like why in the road in my own relationship with him and like one path goes like, hey, I'm a fan of Jesus and one path goes, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus. And there are moments I'm like, wow, like I know like what that requires and I'm like scared to death of that one. That one's fun. Um, it's a lot more fun to be on this path and like cheering Jesus on. You go, Jesus, that's awesome. You do it. You die for people. That's fantastic. I love it. Die for me, include me in that. That's great. You want me to go do that? You want me to go die to help other people live? I'm not sure. So there are things in my own relationship with God where God said, listen, Trent, you've, you've been on a fan path and that's not what I've called you to do. I've called you to be on a following path, I've called you to follow me. And Jesus told his disciples that following him would cost them everything. It would cost them their lives. 
It would cost them their dreams, their hopes, their family, their friends. It would cost them everything. So listen, it's going to be the hardest thing you've ever done. But Jesus came for followers. He didn't come for fans. So as we walk through this series, that's the question we're going to revisit over and over and over again. Are we fans of Jesus or are we followers of him? Now, we might have some guests here today, and if you're a guest, just maybe checking Christianity out. Maybe somebody invited you to, to church, and you thought, oh, I'll give it a try, and you, you walk in, go, wow, like what a heavy message, what a heavy series. Or you invited a friend, and you're thinking, wow, how do I explain this at lunch? Like, I didn't think it was going to be that heavy. Like, I, I think this is a great series for you. I think it's a great series for anybody who's checking Christianity out. I think it's a great series for those of us that are are Christ followers. I think it will be a really good series to help us to really dig deep and understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Again, Jesus told his followers one time, he said, don't follow me until you count the cost. Like, really? Jesus going, listen, sit down and count the cost. Like, sit down, like, with a pen and paper and, like, pros and cons. Following Jesus, not following Jesus. Like, tally it out. And then when you get to the end, decide whether you really want to follow me or not. It's going to cost everything you have. It's going to require more strength than you could ever muster. Actually, you can't even do it. So I'm going to send the Holy Spirit so the Holy Spirit can do that through you. But it's going to require your all. Make sure you count the cost before you choose to follow me. So again, if you're checking out Christianity and you go, wow, you know, let's say you get to the end of the series and think, man, I'm not so sure I'm willing to do all that following requires. That's okay. Jesus would want that. Again, that's part of Jesus going, count the cost. Decide in advance. If you get to the end of this series and you say, you know, I, I thought I was a follower of his, but really I think I'm more of a fan and I'm like pretty happy with that. Like I'm pretty comfortable with the fan lifestyle. Um, that's an okay spot to be as well. Just make sure you acknowledge that in your relationship with God. Just be honest. God, I think I'm a fan of yours. I'm not so sure I'm a follower. My hope and prayer for all of us is that as we walk through this series and beyond, that we will determine to become lifelong, fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And here's the deal. He's the only one that has the answers. He's the only one that's the true bread from heaven. He's the only one that offers eternal life. He says, if you follow me, there's a, a reward you won't even be able to mentally grasp, probably for all of eternity. You won't be able to grasp that. So that's what I want for all of us. That's what I think Jesus wants for all of us is really to say, you know what? I don't understand it all, but I am willing to follow wherever Jesus leads Whatever Jesus says, I'm willing to do those things. Now, next week, I'm going to do my best to answer the question, who are we following? You know, if someone says, hey, come follow me, it'd be really cool if you knew something about them before you, like, signed up and drank the Kool-Aid. It'd be cool to, like, hey, who is this person? Like, what are they all about if I'm going to choose to commit my life to following them So again, I'm going to do my best to answer the question of that and help us to really look at who God really is. I think we just might be in awe of our great God as we take a really close look at him. So if you would, let's just, as a church family, let's close out in a word of prayer and then our worship team will come back out.
God, I, I know that, Lord, today's message has got some weight to it. And I know that this series has some weight to it. There's some heavy stuff here. And Lord, as I read scripture and as I watch Jesus interact with people, I'm just mesmerized by Jesus, the greatest leader in the world. Greatest leader the world has ever known. In that moment where he says, listen, uh, count the cost. Thousands of people following And Jesus says, no, I need you to count the cost. And people walked away. But Jesus, you still do that kind of stuff today. You still ask all of us, hey, you know, if you're gonna enter a relationship with me, like really sit down and count the cost because it's gonna require some things of you. It's not just this fun thing. We just, you know, sit on the sideline with our pom poms and cheer Jesus on. And wow, it's so great to watch Jesus do what only Jesus can do. No, Jesus, you invite us to be in the action with you, to put down our pom-poms and put on a jersey and run onto the field and engage this game of life that we're all living and to love people that need loving and help people be reconnected with you that are lost and to bring hope and healing to a world that desperately needs it to bring the true bread from heaven to people who are so hungry. So God, I pray for all of us as we walk through this series, we start our 21 days of fasting and we ask the question throughout this series, are we really fans of yours or are we gonna be followers of yours? I pray that you would guide us in this journey. In Jesus' powerful name, amen. This is an amazing. Go ahead and be seated. Just have a a few announcements for you as we are beginning this year. Uh, There are a lot of things that are happening. We want to let you know. Uh, My name is Tim Jones, and I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Epic. And uh, one thing that we want to let you know about is that... um, we have a spiritual growth challenge. And so if you want to go deeper with the message each week, uh, we post online under the resource tab a document for you to be able to download and to do further Bible study, look up some verses associated with what we just heard about and everything. Uh, It has a Bible reading plan, verses to memorize and everything. You can answer questions as well for yourself or with other people in a group. Uh, So if you would like a copy, we have a copy for you today uh, at the Connection Center. So if you want to look that over, just pick one up at the Connection Center. And then um, our student ministry, uh, Surge, is helping to sponsor the Silver Ring thing. Um, So a number of churches have gotten together to put on this event, uh, Silver Ring thing. It's a national event uh, that teaches students, middle school students and high school students, about sexual purity and abstinence uh, before marriage. And so it is a great event. Uh, So if you would like to come to that event, middle school students, high school students, come on out. It's going to be a great event. It's going to be fun. There's going to be a lot of things to do. They even have a session for parents as well. So if you would like to attend the event, you can as well. So in your seats, you have a card that uh, talks about the silver ring thing. And so if you want to just grab that card, and then if you would register online, they need you to go to www.silverringthing.com to register so that you can attend that event that, come, that is going to be on February 2nd. Um, that's coming up really, really soon. And then just uh, check this out.
went to Guatemala last year um, because I was challenged to go. And being challenged, I'm, it was asking God why I shouldn't go. There was all kinds of excuses why I didn't want to go. My biggest fear, and a lot of people know this, is I've never flown, but that's all I thought about. It's all I complained about, it's all I whined about. On top of that is actually being in a country that you don't speak the language, and there's no English spoken there unless you're in a group of people that speak that language. Being quiet and relying on God to take care of your fears, is that's a big, huge leap of faith. Getting all the way to the airport, you know, once I got on the plane, it was fine. I had no anxieties, I never had any, not one time was I ever afraid. What impacted me the most was the way that the group learned how to lean on each other, to rely on each other, to reach out to each other in faith. You're there and you're just like, wow, we're doing all, we're building houses and we're feeding kids and we're doing all these things and we're meeting people. What are you gonna do when you get home? What are you gonna take out of this? How are you, go how are you gonna live out loud? One of the things that I learned when I got back was to be available because he wants you to take care of the things that are at home. He wants you to take care of the things that are in your neighborhood, the things in your town, the things in your schools. He wants you to be the face of him here where you're at. When there's somebody in our church or my community or my neighborhood needs help, I want to make myself available to help that person. That's the best thing that I could come up with to be able to continue on what I learned down there in Guatemala is to be able to help. Try it. Yeah. So as we've been talking about mission trips for the last several weeks, uh, we want you to go. If you've never been on a mission trip, it's your opportunity. We want everyone uh, to be able to go on at least one mission trip as they are here. And so we have two, three trips this year, uh, two to Guatemala and one to Costa Rica. And next week, we are having our information meeting after each service. So if you'd like more information to find out more about those trips, uh, just stay after the service for several minutes, and they'll talk about the trips. If you have any questions, also go online. Uh, underneath the involved tab as they have tons of more information about each of those trips, the dates and everything, and also applications. So go ahead and begin to fill out your applications. We should have tons of applications um, because we would love for all of you to go until we say, hey, we've got too many people. Um, but we'd love for you to go on the trips this year. And so our information meetings are next week after each of the services as well. And then if you would, there's another card. We have tons of cards today. Uh, but there's one more card in your seat, and that is concerning our group environments here at Epic. And so it is a blue card. And what we would like to tell you, Trent already told you a little bit about each of the groups. Um, we are having intro meetings uh, in two weeks from now, on January 27th, if you are looking to get involved in our groups, we would love for you to start out at Starting Point. And it's a 10-week conversational small group environment that examines the story of God, and you begin to find your place in it and begin to experience community. So it's a great place to jump in. If you've been through Starting Point, we'd love for you to jump into Next Step. And so if you would like to sign up for Starting Point Next Step, go ahead and go online under the Groups tab, sign up there to let us know how many people want to jump into Starting Point and Next Step. That would be huge for us as that allows us to know how many groups we should plan on having. And so come then to that meeting and you'll be able to get into a group at that point. 
after each service for a couple minutes on January 27th. Then we have a new event called Group Link on January 27th at 6 p.m. So if you've been waiting to get into a community group and you're like, okay, what is a community group and everything? A community group is where we want everyone to eventually get to. It's a place where we want people to get out of rows and into circles and really do life together. Grow in your relationship with God. Grow in your relationship with others. And so we would love for you to jump into a community group. So if you're like, I'm ready, I'm ready to jump in. I want to sign up for a community group. Come to that event. It's going to be fun. Trent might even dance there. I don't know. But there will be food and everything like that. It will be a really easy environment to connect with people and to be able to sign up for a group and get into a group. And so we would love for you to come out to Group Link at that point. So if you would, would you go to our Groups tab and sign up there under Community Groups so we know how many people that we can expect at that event that would help us out tremendously. If you want more information about the groups, just turn to the back of that card and there's a snapshot of what each of those environments are about as well. And then finally, um, giving. You know, it's one of those tensions that, you know, becoming a follower of Christ, what does it mean? And it's interesting how much finances have a grip on our uh, lives here in this world and God knows that. And so this is something that he asks us to do when we are committed to him. And so if you call Epic your home, there's two ways that you can give. You can give at the giving boxes located at the end of each uh, row or also online at www.theepicchurch.com as well. And then if you are new today and you'd like to find out more about Epic Church, uh, stop by our Connection Center. There's people there that would love to answer questions, give you more information about Epic. And today we're so glad that you're here with us as we begin this new year and everything. And so if you would say hi to someone on your way out, engage them in a conversation, that would be awesome. So thank you so much for being here today, and we'll see you next week.